Well, as uh, Pastor Dayton said, you are so loved and your presence does matter. And it is a joy just to be able to gather. As I uh, also echoed here just a little bit ago before we uh, entered into some extended time of communion and prayer. So this past year, Tom Torsich, Tom Torsich became one of 10 people, can you believe this, to literally walk around the entire globe. Can you imagine? It took him seven years, 29,000 miles of walking, most of which with a dog named Savannah right there at his side. Uh, This is remarkable. And uh, just a few months ago, as he was returning to his home in New Jersey, I think it is, uh, he was heading toward the finish line. And of course, they had this, this big finish line and all the cameras and crowds were there and balloons were everywhere. And he's going up to the finish line, overwhelmed with this sense of relief and excited about what is in store for him in the days that would follow. The whole new normal into which he was heading. Well, I suspect that none of us listening to my voice have transversed the entire globe, right? If you have, we need to talk, all right? I really have a lot of questions. Uh, But... All of us, all of us here have uh, in these past hours, because today is January 1st, all of us here have in these past hours uh, moved across a threshold of sorts. And uh, we have uh, perhaps been anticipating uh, stepping into the new year, feeling some relief that the old is done, maybe some anxiety about it. Perhaps we're, we're just stunned that, wow, it's already January 1st. Uh, But however we've gotten here, here we are. It could be that you have just run right into January 1st and your heart is full and you're thrilled. It may well be that you are crawling through these hours just to get into this new day and uh, you're numb and you're just trying to survive. It could be that here you are having crossed this threshold, this so-called finish line called New Year's Eve, now stepping into the new normal, and you've done it by yourself. Or maybe you've got this incredible support system around you, and uh, if that's so, that's terrific. Whether you are here having crawled alone, or you are here having run in a crowd, or, or your heart is full even if your body's tired, or maybe you're just overwhelmed and you're anxious Whatever your story is today, January 1st of this brand new year, here we are, right? We're here. We've crossed the line, and now here we are. And the question for you and for me at this moment is, what would be a word from God to you right now? What might be a word from God for you right now? And indeed, I would expand that just a bit and put it this way, what might be a word from God for you, and also what might be an invitation to you from God? See, those are two things, a word from God for you, but also an invitation to you from God. Well, let's look first here at what might be a good word from God for you, and as I think about that, my mind is instantly drawn to the annals of the prophets in the Old Testament, and in particular, 
In particular, I go to Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 20. And it is a remarkable few words that God gives to his servant Jeremiah, and you and I can take hold of these words as well. Here's what they are. Are you ready? I am with you. Now, is that not a good word on January 1st of a new year, to have God say to you, I am with you? Can we just say that together right now? Ready? I am with you. That's what God is saying to you right now. Wherever you find yourself, whatever your story, whatever your situation, however it is you have crossed that line onto this day, God is saying to you, I am with you. I love that. Now, if we took a moment and did a very brief reflection on the broader passage, we would find that, that at the very beginning of this passage, things are kind of hard for Jeremiah. Yes, Jeremiah has all kinds of support, but he also has all kinds of heartache. The days have been hard for him. And in Jeremiah chapter 15, uh, verse 10, he offers a rather succinct declaration about how he sees the days. And you know what he says? Three words. Woe is me. Now you think about that for a minute. Have any of you had to say that this past year? Woe is me. Have any of you found yourself saying that this past week? You know, this strange uh, period of time between Christmas and New Year's Eve where it seems like the clocks just stop and, and all the world just gets quiet and the shadows seem to grow longer and we can either be filled with joy and anticipation because of the season or suddenly if you're like me, you're sitting on the couch thinking about everything over the past year and sometimes you're wanting to then say, woe is me. This is what Jeremiah was saying, woe is me. And we all have our woes, Right? Some of us have lost loved ones this year to death. Some of us might be thinking of prodigals in our lives that, that uh, keep our hearts really soft and tender. Some of us may be thinking that the economy has utterly battered our pocketbooks. Or we might be concerned about our job or perhaps there's a dream that we've got that just simply is eluding us at every turn. And maybe there's a relational breach, or maybe, I mean, you fill in the blank. Woe is me. And you know what? Here's the deal, friend. You're not alone in this. And that's actually a good thing. We're not alone. This, this is Jeremiah's story. It could be your story. But you know what? It was King David's story before he became king and even after he became king. I mean, my goodness, uh, just a survey of the Psalms gives us such a, an intense view of the challenges that he faced from start to finish. But in Psalm 142, we read this, and this is before he became king. Uh, he is in this psalm, understand, uh, he is uh, the great general uh, David ben Jesse, the commanding general of the armies of Israel, a seasoned warrior, no end of followers around him, and yet here he is hiding in a cave from his boss who hates him. And in that moment of time, this is what he says, verse 2, I pour out my complaint before God. I tell him my trouble. 
Verse 4, look to the right and see there's none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains for me. No one cares for my soul. Have you ever said that? No one cares for me. There's nobody there next to me. I pour out my complaint. Woe is me. Well, David isn't the only one. Jeremiah is not the only one. You're not the only one. You know, in uh, the Gospel of John, I'm reminded of, of the woman Mary, not Mary, the mother of Jesus, whose story we've been remembering here these recent days, but Mary, the sister of Martha, who also is a very good friend of Jesus. And in uh, John chapter 11, verse 32, well, here's the deal. Uh, Mary's brother, Lazarus, has died. And Mary's overcome with grief. Any of you had grief here these recent months? Mary's overcome with grief, and here's what she says to Jesus. I love the authenticity of it. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How many times have you muttered, Lord, if you were here, Lord, where are you? Lord, are you paying attention? Woe is me. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 echoes this. The Apostle Paul of all people. I mean, in our minds we have this idea that he is above everything in terms of just power and strength and resilience. But here's Paul, consummate church planter, incredible Bible teacher, of the world's greatest living theologian. And here's what he has to say in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 7. When we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without, fear within. Have you found yourself in a situation this past year where it seems like everybody around you is just fighting and inside you're scared? Family, dinner, the uh, locker room, the lunchroom at your office, wherever it might be. But notice what Paul says, as if he's speaking for the Jeremiah's and the David's and the Mary's and the Paul's and all of us. Here's what he says in the very next verse, verse six. He says, but God, can you say that with me? But God, but God who comforts the downcast. And then he goes on and explains how God does that. I'm reminded of uh, my uh, beloved predecessor and special friend to me, uh, Pastor Steve Gould. But God was one of his most treasured statements, and he would uh, echo it regularly with our church family. But God, he would say. And we need to hold on to this. But God, the woe is me in verse 10 of Jeremiah 15 gives way to I am with you in verse 20 of Jeremiah chapter 15. That's a but God moment. Woe is me, but God, and he comes along and says, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that's a word for you as we cross the finish line and step into the new normal, which is this new year. God is with you. I am with you, he says. Yes, the woe is me may be very common, may be very deep. There are all kinds of good reasons that in the midst of all of our joy, we might also say, woe is me, where are you, God? But God, 
I am with you. Do you hear that, friends? I am with you, he says. I'm with you. And I want you to make that singular and personal directly to you. God saying, I am with you. I'm with you. All right, amen. Amen. Now, this is a, a good word. And this comfort that we see that Paul echoes here, it is most chiefly exhibited in the person of Jesus. It's not just some rule for life. It's not some philosophical idea. It's not an abstract thing. It is a person, and his name is Jesus. The I am with you, it's Jesus, the one who was born of a virgin. We've been talking about this and celebrating this these recent days. He lived a sinless life. He was uh, betrayed by a friend, arrested by the authorities, tried by a bunch of religious prudes, crucified and executed on a Roman cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead, alive. He ascended into the heavenly spaces, and there right now, on January the 1st of this brand new year, he is interceding for those who belong to him. He's interceding for you. He is saying, Father, this right here, that's my girl, that's my boy. They're covered with my blood. Remember them and give them your power. That's what he's saying. He's interceding on your behalf right now. And guess what? One day in his good timing, in God's good timing, he's going to return in power and triumphant glory. Amen? I can't wait. I can't wait. Maybe it'll be this year. Wouldn't that be fantastic? And that's why Jesus says in places like John 16, verse 33, look, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And that's why we can read in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 20, I am with you. Because this triumphant Jesus, his whole life and his purpose is such that sin and death and the devil and all the woe is meism in our lives, however real it might be, does not have the final word. Amen? All right? So that's a good word for you on this first day of the new year. But what would be the invitation that you might need to have? Well, a number of years ago, many years ago, in fact, a ministry friend of mine, a colleague, and, and just a sweet friend, uh, said to me, Matthew, you need to read Psalm 105, verse 4, and commit it to memory. And I did. And it has been a balm for my soul for over three decades. Psalm 105, verse 4 uh, in the translations that we commonly use here, uh, it says, seek the Lord and his strength, seek his presence continually. The way I learned it years ago was seek the Lord and his strength, or rather, I'm sorry, look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. That's a little crisper. I'll explain why here. Uh, you see, there are a couple of uh, items that we need to take hold of in this verse, and, and uh, I trust you'll commit it to memory as I have, and you'll, you'll just, you'll, you'll meditate on it and turn it over in your heart and mind. 
just constantly taking it before the Lord. So a couple things we need to know about this verse. Number one, are you ready? Learn the Lord. Learn the Lord. That's the number one thing about this verse. And what you need to know with me is this. In the English, we see the word seek here. We see it twice. But in the ancient tongue, actually, it's two very distinct words. They can, they can both be translated like seek or look, but they're very distinct. And so the first one regarding learning the Lord, the first seek there in the first phrase, seek the Lord or look to the Lord uh, in his strength, all right, that seek has the idea of learning to understand, of having an inquiry about, uh, in this case, the Lord, of, of seeking knowledge about him, seeking to understand something about him. It has this cognitive tone to it where your mind is trying to be more informed about who he is and what he does and how he thinks and, and this sort of thing. And one of the uh, best ways, of course, that, that we uh, do this is spending time in the Word of God, which is why New Hope Church is committed and will be forevermore to preaching the Word of God and helping people understand it. It is learn the Lord, understand the Lord, have a growing knowledge of the Lord, uh, figure out what makes him tick, understand how he works, what he thinks, what he does, what his purposes are. And by the way, when you see the word Lord there in all capital letters, L-O-R-D, that's important. It's a reference to God, and we, we can all imagine that, but most specifically, it is a reminder of the intimate name of God, Yahweh, where we see first in, uh, for example, in the book of Exodus. And remember our study here this past spring when uh, the I am statements of Jesus from his life? Uh, in effect, Jesus was saying, yeah, the Lord, L-O-R-D, all in capital letters, Yahweh that you know of, that's me. And so when you come to this passage here, albeit a, an old Testament psalm, and you see this invitation to learn the Lord, I want to encourage you to totally embrace the idea of learn Jesus. Learn Jesus. Learn everything you can about him. You and I ought to be the very best students we can be of this Jesus. If we are his disciples, if we believe that he has made a difference in our lives, if we claim him as our savior and our master, we need to be the best possible student of this glorious Jesus. We need to understand him. We need to inquire of him and about him and figure him out. One of the key ways, as I said a moment ago, is spending time in this love letter called the Bible. Taking it apart, understanding all the ways from Genesis to Revelation that Jesus has made famous. Particularly, take time in the gospel histories in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Take time reading Romans and Colossians and these kind of passages uh, and books that just unpack the dignities of Jesus and incredible richness. We need to be the best students of Jesus that we can be. I urge you, I urge you to make that your mission this year and discern how to do that. We've got Bible studies, we've got a small groups through the preaching ministry and so forth. But let me tell you, please hear me, 
All of that is so important for sure. But nothing's going to replace you just simply spending time reading the Word of God and asking the simple question, Lord God Almighty, would you show me Jesus? Would you show me Jesus? And just let the Holy Spirit do his work. All right, so we need to learn Jesus. But there's a second thing that needs to happen here that we see from this passage, that we see from this simple verse. We need to learn Jesus. We also need to look to the Lord. We need to look to him. That second seek that we find in the very next line, uh, seek uh, his presence continually, well, that seek has the idea of interrogation and exploring and touching, all right? That's a little different than the uh, first one, which is about understanding and inquiry. If the first one is about the cognitive, this one's about the, the cardiac. It's about the heart and engaging your heart with this Jesus, with this Lord. Literally, it has the idea of touching him. And to make it even more tangible, that word presence that we see in, in uh, our, many of our English translations, literally in the Hebrew, it means face. And so how intimate, how personal is that? It's an invitation to touch the face of God, to touch Jesus' face. And I love the the confines of that, the closeness of that. Now listen, some of you men out here listening to me right now, I'm just telling you, our, our Western uh, paradigms make you think you need to be uncomfortable when words like intimacy are thrown around. Oh, it's, it, we need to be intimate with Jesus. Don't buy that lie. Last night, I saw four massive men holding hands, walking across the field, going to the center of the field to flip a coin to see which Team's going to get the ball first. Guys know how to be together, to be close, to be intimate. And how much more so can we touch the face of Jesus as we meditate on him, as we think about him, as we spend our days longing for him and imagining who he is as is presented in the word of God. So it's one thing to learn of him. It's another thing to then also sit with him, spend time with him. Gaze upon him, as it were, in the, the deep recesses of our hearts, imagining uh, as it is presented in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Or, or I love uh, the descriptions of King David in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Can you see that? Can you see those green pastures? He leaves me beside still waters. Can you hear the trickle of the water as it flows through the, through the landscape? All right, he leads you in that place. Imagine you're sitting there and he's sitting next to you and you're looking at his face. And you know what you see? You see someone unflappable. You see someone lamenting with those who lament, grieving with those who grieve, rejoicing with those who rejoice. You see someone who is indignant of unrighteousness and someone who is hopeful because of the glorious return. All right? So take time and just sit there and imagine this and meditate on this and don't be afraid of it. Touch his face. Learn the Lord and look to the Lord. Spend time studying him and take time to sit with him. Allow yourself to be teachable about him. 
But then two, touch his face. Now, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. By the way, one last item on that touch in his face is in the ancient language, it's a very intense verb. So the idea is to be aggressive about it. You be very intentional about this. You be determined about this. Go for broke. All right, go all out. Be committed to it. Invest in it. Don't just give lip service to it. Okay. So in 2023, this new year, having crossed the finish line and stepped into this new normal, what might we receive from God? A good word that says, I'm with you. And an invitation that says, you, you seek Jesus, you learn from me. And you touch my face. I love you and I'm here with you. And I am the Lord of glory and I will never let you go. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Heavenly Father, help us to be a people that in this uh, new normal that's upon us now, help us to be a people that in this new normal that is upon us now, we hear your voice saying, I am with you. Come what may, however tired, however full, however happy, however broken, however together, however lonely, I am with you. So you learn me and you touch my face. Be that close to me and sit with me as I sing over you my promises of love and hope in this new year. And all God's people said, amen.